Hi, this is Molly and today we're chatting with Anghard Wynne-Jones who has worked with various art institutions across Australia including Chunky Move, Adelaide Festival and the London International Festival of Theatre. So she's the current cultural producer of the Arts House and the director of Tipping Point Australia. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, just to start off, you've started your career studying theatre. So what is it about theatre that really excites you and draws you to the arts and how do you make the move to more directorial producer roles? Well, I think probably like a lot of people that are engaged in the arts, my first sort of experiences as a child were really important. For some reason, you know, I think it was quite accidental. I was the youngest of four. It might have been a situation of let's get her out of the house. (laughs) But I joined a youth theatre company in my hometown in England at the time, you know, went every Saturday and really, really enjoyed that experience of collaborative, creative storytelling. And so when I went to study at university for me that experience was really what I was after so I joined a course at a university that was around theatre making but specifically theatre in a social context so really thinking not just about you know the creation of beautiful artworks but actually how and where and why those works should be made and who might experience them. So I practiced as an artist with a theatre company for a while and then I moved actually to Australia when I was 27 many moons ago now (laughs) but at that time there was a you know and it's an ongoing conversation but there was very much a feeling of Australia was kind of asserting its own cultural identity and to be an English artist at that time I really felt like my particular voice and practice was not so relevant that it in fact it was possibly more detrimental taking up more space than it was kind of offering and so around that time and I think that happens anywhere when you're moving countries and you're having to kind of regroup and you know and you and everything yeah I think exactly. it's quite a noble thing to, to say actually that you felt that your voice was more detrimental that you weren't the one that should be speaking out about whatever you wanted to make art about I think it's quite a hard thing to make a decision about Yes, and I'm not sure that I kind of went about it very nobly. I, I think it's probably a narrative that I understand a bit more in retrospect than at the time. At the time, it felt quite traumatic not to be practising as an artist in the way that I had done. And But actually, yeah, I agree. I think that it is something for us to consider across all spheres, you know, when you step up and when you step down and when you make room for something else. And you can still be contributing really a lot, but it doesn't necessarily have to be front and stage. And, and sometimes Sometimes there are voices and issues and concerns that need to be heard, you know, really critically and importantly. Mm, absolutely. Going off that, Artopa is on right now and Arts House has a few pieces that are being showcased. So do you want to tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Asia Topas is phenomenal three-month kind of festival celebration of Australia's relationship to Asia. And we're very lucky that we've got a number of projects that are part of that. The first one actually that opens this Thursday at Arts House is a work called Bunny, which is a, a collaboration between a choreographer called Luke George and Daniel Cock who's from Singapore, and it's a a kind of part installation. They've both explored the Japanese art of knot making, and they go through a slow, beautiful process of tying each other in knots, which is a beautiful kind of contemplation of trust and leadership and reliance on each other. And the audience are invited to engage with it in a very careful, meditative way. So that work is happening from Thursday through till Sunday. Mm And then we have two amazing companies from Japan who are both exploring a really tricky topic, the experience of Fukushima and the huge tsunami and also the ongoing kind of nuclear disaster that followed 
that tsunami. And the first work is by a company called Shellfish. And actually the word shellfish was chosen by the director as a kind of ironic Asian pronunciation of selfish. And I'm, I'm not sure. I think he's a very driven director. I imagine partly it's expressing his own uh, determination, but also maybe an exploration of a perception of a generation, the Gen Y. So he's definitely working in that space. But this work, Time's Journey Through a Room, is a beautiful contemplation haunting really and literally there's a ghost character the wife of the three handron one of the male character died in the tsunami and he's in another relationship but the ghost of his wife his now dead wife haunts that relationship i think it, it sort of speaks to you know not so much the acute trauma and adrenaline of you know a massive disaster like that but really the aftermath of that and also i suppose in some way the way that those massive disruptions can be moments of transformation can be positive in the midst of all the horror so that's a very beautiful poetic work he's an extraordinary director he's toured all over the world with his work he's got a very particular kind of way of a choreographic language as well as a beautiful text sort of very small gestural shifts in the body that he's worked with actors for, for many years and so there's this whole other beautiful dance going on that kind of explores other ways of experiencing the relationship and the narrative that he's developed so that's the first one mm -hmm. uh, and then we follow that with a, a company called Hamanaka and Kajaru which is the study of translating performance and this is I suppose a bit more familiar territory to us in Oz in terms of looking at verbatim theatre so the director Hamanaka did a whole lot of research recordings of interviews met people that had been living in Fukushima at the time that it happened and then has created a work that is then verbatimly performed so through headpieces by an actor and at the same time obviously because that's in Japanese there's a translation happening so he's kind of interested both in the storytelling of that you know actually what happened but also what it's like for a performer to be inside a work that is real documentation of people's lives and words. I think he plays with this kind of the insider-outsider, which in a way is maybe partly how we experience those enormous traumatic events, is, you know, partly on the outside of it, partly ah, struggling, I think, sometimes to find connection and to find empathy. So he's really looking at that difficult bit. <laughs> they, they all sound and, really, really intense, but super beautiful and pretty vital to be discussing in this kind of climate, particularly about Fukushima, I think. Was it a conscious choice to choose mostly Japanese artists this time around? Yes, it, it was. I had the really great privilege of spending a little bit of time at the Kyoto Experimental Festival with support from Asiatopa, a travel grant. So I saw not all of the works, but I, I saw Time's Journey Through a Room at that point. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, there are so many extraordinary cultures across Asia, and it, you know, I feel like the resonance in terms of a contemporary aesthetic, I suppose, and an investigation, you know, feels very clear with the Australian context, and, and there have been decades and decades of you know, artistic and cultural exchange between those countries. And I suppose, you know, also Japan as a, as a colonising force, Australia has a relationship to it that maybe is clearly different, but we know what it is to have a relationship with an ex-coloniser in terms of Britain and the culture of Britain. So mm -hmm. I think 
obviously whilst we don't have that direct relationship there's there's certainly something that is kind of understood in some way between between the two cultures but yeah I mean I think there's that historical background but really as you said you know it felt like these are really really critical issues Arts House is very keen to keep focusing on what are the urgent issues of our time you know what are the things that we really need to walk towards and I think artists are phenomenally courageous in that space and these two works yeah do that very much so. Really happy to hear that there are institutions that are willing to support that kind of courage. Particularly in the next four years, it'd be really, really interesting to see what kind of shows you will have proposed to you and showcased. Those voices will be pretty important to listen to. Mm. I'm really, really interested to learn a little bit about Tipping Point and your involvement with that. So you're the director of Tipping Point? Yeah, so this was, it was really started as a project. I've been living in the UK and had the experience of an organisation that was UK-based called Tipping Point that brought artists and scientists together and that was back in 2005, I think. You know, it was really at the beginning of, you know, the scientists were sitting on all of this really critical information about climate change but it didn't seem to be percolating out and so the organisation was really focused on bringing artists and scientists together to share that information and think about ways mostly of communicating it at that point and knowledge exchange. And when I came back to Australia, we set up a similar setup to Tipping Point Australia because it didn't feel like, again, that there was that much going on in that space of multidisciplinary exploration and collaboration. And so we started off as a project and then, you know, I foolishly thought, oh, we'll just do a few of those and that'll be enough. That'll trigger a whole brilliant kind of <laughs> cascade of interventions and climate change will be halted. And, um, <laughs> we all think we can be seems... revolutionaries, don't we? Yeah. Well, that's right. It seems like there are, of course, endless tipping points and endless triggers to be pulled and levers to be leveraged. So we continue with Tipping Point and now we're at the, we're doing a, a project called Water Futures which is bringing together 100 people from across the Asia Pacific and across Australia to share and discuss thoughts around what a sustainable water future might look like and that could be on a really local level in your back garden and it could be on an international level in terms of, you know, some of the really big issues that are happening in terms of rivers in India and China and acidification of oceans generally. And so, there, yeah, some really big topics. And Tipping Point is really interested in facilitating those conversations and increasingly supporting people to take action around that. So the focus of the water futures is a day of exchange and then a bunch of people will be really pulling up their shirt sleeves and getting into a hackathon and really trying to come up with some solutions around some of the topics and issues that have been identified in, in the first day. Awesome. Great. Everything that you've talked about is all these really, really important discussions that we should be having right now. So just to wrap it up, where can we find a little bit more information about Tipping Point and about Asia Topa? Yeah, yeah. Well, probably Arts House is the best place to go for, for um, most of the information. Um, and it's www.artshouse.com.au. And Tipping Point Australia also has a website, bingpointaustralia.com. And Asia Topa also has a phenomenal website with all of the activities happening across all of the institutions from January through to April. Yeah, hop online and, you know, check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for um, having a chat with me today. Thank you so much for your great questions. Bye. Bye-bye.